chapter number 3, verse number 1. Boy, I thank God for this. Oh, man. This is some story. <laughs> my, my, my. What a story. If you don't see yourself as Gomer, you've missed the whole thing. You're Gomer, and I'm Gomer, and Christ is Hosea. That'll knock the strut out of you. Because, see, the problem is, and uh, when I preach on being born again, I try to mention this. A lot of times we'll talk to another person or talk about them and we we'll say they're a good person. Well, they are according to our standard. But they're not according to God's standard. God demands perfection. He will accept nothing less than perfection. That's why he can't accept you and he can't accept me. Now, the Lord meets us at different points in our rebellion. There's people, we've all got the same disease, just some people have it worse than others. When Christ meets us in salvation or in the preaching of the gospel, we're at different points of rebellion than others are. But God demands perfection. And you cannot do one thing that is perfection. You've never done one perfect thing. Anything you ever did to symbolize that or was similar to it, God done it through you. That's why in the eyes of God, our righteousness is the best we can do is filthy rags. That's right. I'm talking about now for salvation. I know there's a personal righteousness after that we're saved. But when you understand that, that God demands perfection, we'll not accept nothing less. Then you'll see the dilemma that you're in and that I'm in. Hosea chapter number 3, verse number 1. And then said the Lord unto me, Go yet love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who looked to other gods and loved flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for a homer of barley and a half homer of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot. Thou shalt not be for another man. So will I be for thee. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king and without a prince and without a sacrifice, without an image, without an ephod, and without seraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days you can be seated I want us to pray in just a moment but it is obvious God's man is in this church Brother Todd Jeff it is obvious God chose the right man for this place without a doubt this man sort of reminds me of Brother Dale Russell back here, tailor made for this place. Tailor made. He's got hunting and fishing in his blood, outdoors in his blood. He's even got some Indian blood. He's made for this place. And God made no mistake when he sent him. And you've got one of God's choice men. There's not a man in the United States that can fill this pulpit but him right now. He's the man, without a doubt. 
And God's Holy Ghost, we come in here Sunday morning, Sunday night. It's been a long time. I felt such depth of the love of God. I'm talking about liquid, hot love. You'd have to be in there because you can't explain it. That's God giving credibility to this church. He's the man. He's the man for this hour. I know it. And I praise God for it. And God orchestrated this thing and worked it all out in his providence. And I praise God for a man that will love people and that will lead people according to God's word. I thank God for Brother D.C., Brother J.L. that fought the battle. Brother Roger and Rachel and all these has been here these many years and fought hell by the acre. Demons by the patches. But this, look, look what God's done here. This didn't just come up out of nowhere. This come off of the back of a lot of labor and a lot of patience and a lot of disappointments and discouragements that I know nothing about. I cannot comprehend it. But I thank God for the three men that God's put in this church. They've all got three, they've all got the same characteristics. Number one, they're all holy men. Live right. That man right there ain't perfect, but he's blameless. I believe that. Men that are holy, praying men, know what it is to pray. Number three, got good wives. Oh, what a blessing that is. Good children. God's blessed. Got love in the heart for God. Got love in the heart for people. And know the importance and know the importance of the manifestation of the Spirit of God in a worship service. A lot of folks got them other ones, but they ain't got that one. I mean, there's a time when it ain't time to preach, it's time to worship. If you think you've got to preach every time you come to church, what you need to do is pray God will just come, and you can't out-preach the Holy Ghost, and God will just take over. I love it. I need to rest anyhow. But men that are, that, that are open to that, believe in that. Believing people testifying, expressing themselves. I'm not about doing it, speaking English, but doing it to glorify God. What a blessing. And God's let these men that have pastored this church, the, the, the first two men, hung around old Dr. Percy Ray. <laughs> Brother Todd never got to know him, but he's been down there and got that power on him from down there just a few months ago. We went down there at the first of the year, and Brother Todd was here, and I told him we we're going to go have a prayer meeting to pray in the new year. And uh, these boys went, and we had about, what was it, little Mike's 50 or 60, went in the church down there. Brother Todd went down there. We was praying in that old church. And God uh, was inside. I couldn't get nowhere praying for nobody else. And God impressed me to pray for Brother Todd and Sister Cindy. And when I went over there, I never had happen to me what I felt. I felt it similar, but not the same way. It was like electricity went through my fingers when I touched them. I'm, it like to scared me to death. God anointed this man for this place. And you better keep your tongue off of him. You better follow him. Because if God moves him, who are you going to get next? 
Right. Greatest gift God ever give a church outside of the presence of God is God's man. This church and no other church can go forward one inch till God's man shows up. Deacons can't lead them. Deacons' wives can't lead them. Membership can't lead a church. God's man is the only one that can lead a church. And I believe this church is to possess the land. I believe it's at the edge of the uh, of Canaan land. I believe that. I ain't talking about Kadesh Barnea. That's a long time ago. I'm talking about where Joshua's going to lead them in. I believe that. And I believe the spirit and power of God that's been around here this week is a testimony unto that. I believe that. You say, well, I don't. Well, pray for me that I'll see your way if that's God's way. But that's what I believe. <laughs> This place was birthed in the power of God, this church. Down through the years, it's been sustained by the power of God. The devil has put his target on this place and done everything in his power to drive the preachers crazy, give them the half mental breakdowns, get the members fighting one another, all this mess. But God has seen her through. We're, none of us are without error. None of us are without fault. I've made a many a blunder where I'm at. But God knows my heart. God knows your heart. You can look back and say, Preacher, I've made a lot of blunders in my life. But God knows your motive. God knows your heart. It's sort of like, here's a man on the street, he's a drug addict. Here's a man got cancer, and they're doing the same drugs. For one, it's a sin, and for the other one, it's not a sin. What's the difference? It's the motive. That one stole prescription drugs, Oxycontin, whatever. That's a sin to him, but that man with cancer, that's what he needs. You getting what I'm saying? It's your motive. It's your motive. And may God help us to just submit. What a word. To surrender and submit. Folks, listen to me. To me, it's as plain as a nose on my face. What God's wanting to do. And I pray you'll be a part of that. If my endorsement's worth anything, and I know it's not much because what's important is God's endorsement. I've never, you know, I, I'm like you. You want folks to like you. You know you do. You want preachers to love you and churches to love you. But I'll tell you one thing. If I see God's endorsement on a man, he's endorsed. That's right. Oh, praise God for that. Now, if you don't believe what I just said, then praise God. We'll see who's right at the judgment. Amen. Praise God. Appreciate the Lord. Appreciate his mercy. That man right there did not go on deputation. He quit his job making good money. Good money. Wife, cleaning place, making good money. Church, you better know what this man's give up to come out here. And you better not abuse him. Amen. That boy right there, I don't know if a 19-year-old boy knows where, loves God anymore that boy right there. What a blessing. What a blessing. Next time you want to get down in the dumps, you better remember what God done for you when he sent that man right there. Was willing to leave it all. 
to leave it all to come here. Boy, it's a blessing. His pastor in the church back in Caldwell County loved him to death. A lot of churches that man could have pastored back home. Being comfortable the rest of his life. But he come out here because God so loved his place. And God loves you. The heritage here. Brother D.C., Brother J.L., their daddy, all that heritage of their family, Floyd and all them boys as preachers. Have you ever sat down and thought the investment that God's made in this place? Brother Ronnie Venable, Charlie Burgess, men that's made a real investment in this place. And now you've got the ball and you better run with it. It's time to get down to business. And if God has graced your life to let you be a member of this church, you better bow your knee every day and thank God he did. What a privilege. You say, well, I don't think you ought to endorse men. I think you ought to honor men. Give honor where honor is due. That's what the Bible says. So, folks, you love, and I'll tell you what, y'all keep loving each other and caring for each other. Watch what God does. What God does. Vision God gave D.C. Blood Jail. These men can all be fulfilled right now. And I believe God's going to do it. God's going to give the West a chance. I believe that. And I thank God for it. Okay, Brother Wesley, stand up there and pray for us. We both. Yes, Father. God, we thank you for showing up. Yes, Father. Lord, may the will of God be done, Lord. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for showing up and helping us, God. Lord, showing us your faults. God, showing what we need to do with our life. And God, I'd ask you this morning, God, you touch the man of God. Lord, yes, Father. God, God, you give him your message in the air. Yes, God, I pray. God, you the devil still about one word. God, you give us liberty. God, we come to be a blessing. Yes, God, you bear witness with it with the Holy Ghost, God. Lord, I pray. Oh, Father, come on, us for this hour. God, we've come to be a blessing. May we be one. Come to be a help. God, help me, God, to have the words of grace and mercy. God, for this congregation, what they need, rebuke, whatever it is. Your will be done. Lord, I want you to be invited this morning. God, we love you so much. God, we want you to move and help us, Lord. Hey man, when you look at the book of Hosea, you'll find when you meditate upon this that it's such a blessing because it uh, sends forth such a type of the Lord Jesus Christ and his love for us. And that's the subject that I've got today. Love that will not let me go. For this name, Hosea, is the same name as Joshua and the same name as the New Testament name, Jesus. So when you go to this name of Hosea, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about Christ. And uh, oh, we're talking about the love that Christ has for his bride and for his people. Now Hosea is called to do something nobody else has ever been called to do. That's sort of like Noah. God called him to build an ark. He never called another man to build an ark. But he called Noah. God never instructed another man to marry a woman like Gomer except Hosea but God did command him to do so as a living illustration of how Israel
done God and how much that God had loved them. Now the key verse of the book of Hosea as far as to, uh, to understand the work of Christ is verse number one of chapter three. This verse is the key. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman, beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who looked to other gods and loved flagons of wine. Now, what did God call Hosea to do? He called her to love a woman that would not love him back. He called him how to marry a woman that would commit adultery over and over and over again, but to love her in spite of her sin. That's what we call unconditional love. And he's to love her without condition. And that's the way that God loves her. Now the Lord told him before he ever married her that she would become a prostitute. I don't believe she was that when Hosea married her. I believe that's what she became. But Hosea knew exactly what he was getting. He was warned by God what she would be. And God well knew what he was getting when God got you and God got me. Now Gomer got so ungodly and so immoral that she wasn't just a prostitute, but she was a temple prostitute. A prostitute of Baal. Can you imagine being married to a woman that hundreds and even thousands of men had laid with? I mean, it's almost without comprehension how demoralized, how depraved that this woman really was. She sold her body, gave her love to everybody but the one that loved her the most. Is that not the history of your life and mine? We gave our love and affection and worship to everyone except him who loved us the most and gave all that he had for you and for me. Well, when we look at this, we see a in spite of what she was. That's exactly what the nation of Israel had done unto God Almighty. Now in chapter 1, this prophet goes and marries this woman. In verse 2 of Hosea 1, go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. God told him before he ever married her, she'll become a harlot and she'll even have children that'll not be yours. She will be a woman of whoredom with children of whoredom. And the land has committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. Now Israel would not listen to God's man. They would hear God's word. But God is going to give them a graphic illustration of how they had done him and treated him. Now Gomer is faithful for a while. Just like Israel was faithful for a while, but soon she went to the inclinations of her heart. Therefore, God brought her to poverty, humiliation, shame, unhappiness, depression, and lewdness, and under divine conviction, he brings her back to Hosea, but before that that happens, she loses all 
her innocency, all of her beauty, all of her self-respect. For we know that and then at the time that Hosea buys her from the straight block of sin, she was sold, not the price of a good slave. What Alec Gomer brought, why a donkey would bring 30 pieces of silver and oxen would bring 30 pieces of silver. A good slave would easily bring 30 pieces of silver. But Gomer has been so defiled and so corrupted that nobody wanted her except one man and a bought for half the price of a going slave. You think about that. She embarrassed Hosea. She humiliated Hosea when it bought her back. He was embarrassed and humiliated. But praise God, he had a love for her that would not let him go. I'm talking about the love of God that loved you in spite of your sin, in spite of your depravity. You promised to love him and loved him less. You promised to do better and you've done worse. But God's love would not let you go. I'm talking about, I'm exalting the forgiveness and the love and the mercy and the grace of God that lost people just like you and me who are like God. Because nobody but Hosea wanted her. She got to the place no man desired her. That's sort of where we were. Who desired you? Who would have paid a price for you? There was only one, and that was Christ. Hosea went to great humiliation and shame and embarrassment to buy back Gomer. But Christ went to great shame and humiliation to buy you. In Philippians 2, he made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He did not just bear my sin, he became sin. He didn't just became a become sin, he became me. He became you at the cross of Calvary. When God the Father looked down on Christ, he didn't see him. He saw you and he saw me. But Christ was willing to go to that shame and humiliation and embarrassment because of his great love for you and for me. Hosea takes her home, says, you'll abide with me and not play the harlot. Thou shall not be for another man, so I also be for, uh, for thee. Hosea actually lived out this experience. Can you imagine that? You say, preacher, there's no way that God would expect that out of me. Well, you might be right. And there's no man. You've got to give the spiritual part of this story. There's no man that can love like this. God put this kind of love in the heart of Hosea. Because Hosea is representing God. Hey, only God can love like this. Only God can forgive like this. Only God has grace and mercy like this. Of all the things God can do and would do, praise God. 
Jesus Christ. Lord told Hosea, you go love a woman. Brother Wesley, you know what he told him? He said, now son, don't you go pretend you love her. You love her with all your heart. Boy, that's what he said, little Mike. You love her with all of your heart. And don't you just say it when she treats you worse than any man should ever be treated. You manifest my love. Here we see the command of the Lord, the correction of Gomer. Probably they got married at a young age, especially her. And uh, she was from a fallen people. That's what that God told Hosea. You go marry a woman from a fallen race and a fallen people and a corrupt people. And you take her and yourself and love her. That reminds me of Ephesians 2.11 that we were dead in trespasses and sin. Nothing beautiful about us. We walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We have our conversation in the lust of the flesh. We fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature that children of wrath, even as others, but God, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved. Gomer did not deserve the love of Hosea, and neither do you and I deserve the love of God. Listen to me, don't miss this point. This is one of the most important points this service. Gomer never loved Hosea until after he bought Did you get that? She never loved him until he bought her. I never loved God. I never loved Christ. I love the God of my imagination. I love the God of my depraved mind. But I never loved God. Until he bought me, until he saved me, until he revealed what he'd done for me. In chapter 3, Hosea has bought her. He loved her when she didn't love him. He cared for her when she didn't care for him. We love him because he first loved us. I know that this meeting that has been sort of a theme is the love of God.
love of God. You know what Jesus told Simon the Pharisee? Who much is forgiven, loveth much. Brother Tyler, I'm make a statement here, and I know it's right. Reason a lot of folks that are saved don't love God much. They've never comprehended how much they've been forgiven. Now watch this. You don't have to be a prostitute to know you've been forgiven. You don't have to be a drug dealer to be one that loveth much. That's not what that means. There's a lot of people live like scoundrels, and God saved them, and they don't seem to have a lot of appreciation for it. And then I've seen five and six-year-old children that talk about the load of sin and the burden of sin. You would think there's Jesse James and Al Capone, what it was. They had a revelation of what their sin was. The Almighty God and what God forgave them of when God forgave them of their sin. You know why? Because we got this thing backwards. You know why people don't believe in eternal security? Because they don't, don't understand what I'm about to tell you. A man does not go to hell for what he does. He goes for what he is. When God saved you, whether you were seven or eight years old, it wasn't the magnitude of what you had done that was so bad. It was what you are. You're in enmity with God. You're the enemy of God. Alienated, separated from God. And the same hell and the same lake of fire that God made for the devil and his angels is where you would have gone and I would have gone if I died lost. God is just. That means, folks, listen, I'm as guilty as the devil. I'm as guilty as fallen angels. If God puts me in the same hell as the devil, I'm just as guilty because I've got the nature of Satan. As sure as I'm standing here. Most of y'all don't believe what I just said. How can God be just and put you in a devil's hell unless you're as guilty? Boy, that's right. Lucifer saw the glory of God. But Christ didn't die for him. Hey, the grace of God was not extended to him. But uh, the devil sinned against greater visible light that we sin against a loving Savior and one that gave his life's blood for us. Oh, what a blessing. Hosea made a choice at the command of the Father. He made a choice and went down to fallen race. I'm going to fall and corrupt people. And he saw Gomer that day and said, you're mine. And he chose her to love her. I don't know how God done that, but God let him know in his heart that she's the one that I love. Sure, Brother Mike's talking about a while ago about people. I know exactly what he's saying. You do too if you walk with God. You can meet a hundred people. But there'll be one that the love of God will flood your soul for that person. It's unexplainable how all that works. Oh, you can be in a church service and God's love be directed to a person. And you'd about rather go to hell yourself and see them go to 
for the soul of another. When Isaiah saw her, he loved her in his heart. His love, listen to this, was not based on one good thing he saw in her. Not one. His love's not based on her loving him back. He's already been told how she's going to treat him. He already knows what she's going to do. He did not love her because of one good thing in her. He didn't love her because of what she would become. He didn't love her because one day she'd love him back. For all Hosea knew, she would never love him back. But he loved her anyhow. What the Bible says, there's none good. There's none righteous. No, not one. That means not even one. There's none that seeketh after God. No, not one. Not even one. His love was not based on anything that she'd ever done. Anything he saw in her. God had already told Hosea, as I said, that she would become a prostitute. Oh, how sad that it was. And then they had children. Three children. Each one of these children, their name represents the judgment of God. I mean, names like scatter, not my people, and those type of things. But uh, we find that as they name these children, only the first one, Jezreel, was the son of Hosea. The other two were not his children, even though he loved them like they were. And while his wife was playing the harlot, he loved those children as if they were his. Oh, the precious love of God. That's exactly what God told Hosea. Don't marry a woman that won't love you back, won't appreciate you. No matter what you do for her, she'll not be grateful. She'll not say thank you. She'll not say I love you until that day you buy her back. And Hosea obeyed the will of God. Now, it's already been said by several people in these services and prayer meetings, why would God love me? I believe Jody and Rachel or Rebecca sung that last night along those lines. I'll tell you something, you're never going to figure it out. So don't even try, just enjoy it. But I know what you mean when you say that. And we ought to be that way. Why did God love Israel? Deuteronomy 7, 6. For thou art and holy people unto the Lord thy God. Is that why God chose them and loved them? Oh, no. The Lord thy God had chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people for ye were the fewest of all people but because the Lord loved you and would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers that the Lord had brought you out of a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt. What did God say? You were down in Egypt Pharaoh, who's a type of Satan, and that cruel 
That's the only explanation. How I've got. How what did God say to Paul? How is God's name? Because God loves Saul of Tarsus. The greatest enemy of the church. How could God love him? Paul said in Galatians 1.15, When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me, because I'd start all those churches. Called me because I'd write 14 books of the Bible. Pin them down. Called me because I'd establish all those churches. Oh, no. He separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal. What does grace mean? Unmerited love and favor. Hey, don't you dare say that God saved Saul because what Saul would do. That's blasphemy to the grace of God. Unmerited love and favor. God saved Saul because God loved Saul. That's why. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Hosea went down to fallen people to choose a fallen bride according to the grace of God based on the love of God that God had put in his heart because and only because that God had loved her through Hosea. Hosea loved Gomer. He said, you're mine. What's her response? She was so cruel. I don't know of anything that more illustrates the cruelty, the depravity, the ungodliness of Gomer, her utter selflessness or selfishness, that when Hosea sends those three children to beg and plead with their mother to come back home, chapter 2, verse 5, for their mother hath played the harlot, she that conceived them hath done shamefully, for she said, Ethiopian 
wicked are strayed from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born. As soon as the baby brings his first breath, they're in a descent from God and into depravity and separation and alienation from God and holy God in his blood and grace and mercy. When that child reaches the time of accountability and love them, reveal himself to them and save them by his grace. You can't get good fruit from an evil tree. You can't get clean water from a bitter fountain. You can't get a righteous person from a fallen father. Fallen parents have fallen children. And if you're young and not married, one day you'll have fallen children. God loved us knowing what we were. He loved us knowing how we had treated He loved us Lord, how we'd mistreat him. We walked the path of evil. We resisted his love. We mocked his word by our actions. We resisted his spirit and his marvelous grace. But oh, there was a love that would not let me go. There was a rebel against God. Thank God, God led me in such a way. He'd come after me and save me. What Gomer did, she went to wherever people. Gomer is not to be pitied. She's to be blamed. What we got nowadays, sinners want to be pitied. They need to be blamed. They need to come to the realization of what they have done. A man will never appreciate the grace of God till he sees that Christ has loved us with an everlasting love. Now notice this right quick. Hosea loved her. She was his. He provided for her. He gave to her right quickly. Verse 8 of chapter 2. She did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold which they prepared for Baal. She didn't even know it. She didn't even deserve it. Or else she could care less. It was Hosea that kept an eye on her. He knew where she was staying. And early in the morning when nobody was around, Hosea would walk up to that little house where she was at or where the temple prostitutes stayed and leave her money and leave her food and leave her wine. And she thought that that old lover had left that behind. All the time it was Hosea that had love. That would not let her go when you were cursing God, getting drunk, running wild. It was God that loved you in spite of what you were. And God let you breathe his air. was in his 40s, they say, when he got saved. Now I'll ask you a question. That time he's killing and eradicating Christians, he's doing everything in his power to wipe every believer off the face of the earth. He hated Jesus Christ with a pure hatred because he did it ignorantly. He thought Christ was a false prophet. He thought he was an imposter. He thought because of his zeal for Judaism, it was his obligation because of his zeal for God to wipe out this new way, this enemy of Judaism and eradicate it from the face of the 
defeated unto him. He got under conviction that day in such a way he became a mad dog, wild and crazy because he got mad when he got under conviction. Heard the sermon of Stephen and saw a saved man die. Oh, thank God. In the midst of all that, God kept letting him breathe and God kept giving him food and God kept letting him have water. You know why? Because God loves so that Tarshish. A man nobody but God could love. Hosea loved her because she was his. Hosea loved her because of the love God put in his heart for her. Here's another statement you need to remember. How could Hosea love her? Love needs no explanation. Because there is none. There is no explanation. Why was it that out of a hundred women, for example, that woman you're married to, there was something clicked inside of you. Different than any other woman. That you were willing for the rest of your life to forsake all others and give all your love and affection to her. If you're right with God, that's what you did. Hey! Why did you do that? You can't explain it. Love needs no explanation. Why did God love us? It can't be explained. It's the great mysteries of God. Why? That God could love us. Hosea supplied her need. God supplied ours. She said, Gomer said, I've got to go with my lovers. They're giving me these things. Didn't even know they came from God. How many lost men pumped their chest out and said, I'm a self-made man. Look what I've done. Or if God spares their life, never give glory to God. Say, I was lucky. Hey, never give praise to God. I was fortunate. It was just a coincidence. All that God's done for people, and many of them never one time said, God, thank you. A gomer before Hosea bought her never said, thank you. Verse 9, therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof, wine in the season thereof, where I cover my wool, my flocks given to cover her nakedness. He said, she won't come. Listen to me. She won't come because of my blessings. I'm going to bring her down. She's going to get cold. She's going to get hungry. We're in tired. I believe a sinner, every sinner has two ways they can come to God. When God first deals with them, they can come the easy way. And if they won't come that way, and God keeps dealing with them, they'll come the hard way. So old mama's a prayer. God, don't you let my boy go to hell. You do whatever it takes. And God will do whatever it takes. My great uncle and my great aunt had a rebellious son. He was running around with another man's wife. He was leaving North Carolina to go to California. And they knew it would be his demise. He'd get out there as wild as his flesh was. Back in that restrained atmosphere, they knew what happened to him. My great uncle, my great aunt said, God, whatever it takes, don't let him go to California. Man caught him with his wife and shot him. He is paralyzed from his waist down. But he got saved by the grace of God. I'm here to tell you right now, 
You come the easy way or the hard way. Don't If so said in her sin, she'll only come the hard way. I'll let her get hungry. I'll let her get cold. I'll let her get weary. I'll let her get tired. I'll let her discover herself. And when she does, she'll hate what she sees. Her sweetness will become bitter. Her joy will turn in the morning. She'll begin to hate what she used to love. What? That's God's Holy Ghost conviction in the heart of a person. God won't let her enjoy sin. God will not reveal Christ to you and me as long as we're self-righteous. God never revealed Christ to your heart till He humbled you. As long as you're self-righteous. He reveals the bread to the hungry. He He reveals the water to the thirsty. God reveals Christ to those that are humble. Again, Saul of Tarsus, when did Christ reveal who he was? When Saul said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He was humbled on the road to Damascus. He saw light above the wonder moon, the noonday sun. The light of Christ was greater than the brightness of the sun that day. Oh, Saul knew it was God. He didn't know what his name was, but he knew who he was. He was humbled. Who art thou, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Oh, Saul, it's hard for thee to kick against the brick. What then? That God flow down there, and God humbled him. Jose said, I'm going to strip her naked. She'll stand in the searchlight of God's law. She'll feel the guilt and the burden and the vileness of sin. For you and I tasted the grace of God, we get hungry for it. Old Paul said, have you ever seen yourself like Paul? Lord, I'm the chief of sinners. Peter said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I said, said, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. Job said, I abhor myself. Boy, hey, you'll never appreciate grace and love Christ like you ought to till you see yourself like that. What the prodigal son say? Well, even the servants of my father have bread and nuts to spare. They're better off than me. Then the captivity of the slave don't miss this. Hosea 2 7, she purposed. And she, here's what she proposed, brethren. She shall fall after her lovers, but shall not overtake them. She shall seek them, but shall not find them. Now, watch this. Everybody's done had her that wants her. She can't even find another man that'll pay to lay with her. And then she'll say, watch this now. This is in chapter 2. Before you get to 3 where she got bought, she purposed in her heart, I will return or go and return to my first husband. For then was it better with me than now. Now, don't miss this. She said, I'm going to go back to my husband. It was better than the now. She meant that. She wanted that. The problem was she couldn't go back. She's the property of another man. She's the slave of another man. You can't decide to get saved. You can't get to God. You can't get to Christ. Your Christ breaks the chains of captivity and bondage. You might want God. You might want to be there by his power. You're in the clutches of 
another. There's another owns you. That's, Satan owns you. That's why you got to be bought. Child of God, you were Gomer. I was Gomer. I was owned by another. Why did it take the blood of Christ to redeem you? Because we were owned by another. Satan had accusation against us because of our sin. God cannot be just and the justifier of them that come to Christ and give us sin debt was paid. God's holiness satisfied. God's justice and wrath met. And the justice and the wrath and the holiness of God was satisfied on the cross of Calvary. That's what God can forgive you and be just and the justifier of those that believe in Jesus. I was captive. I was in the clutches of sin. Every accusation of the devil was right before God against me. You know who owns Gomer? Her pimp. That's who owned her. That's exactly how Satan treated you. He used you. He abused you. And then he'll refuse you. He'll tempt you. He'll seduce you to sin. And then when you do, he'll pull back with his arrows of accusation and say, now God won't forgive you. Now God can't love you. That's exactly what Satan does. Paul put me in jail. And the justice of God demanded my execution. But thank God there came one that was willing to pay the price and die my place. I'm coming back the love of God and come back the love of Christ for you and for me. She's got to be redeemed. Another man owns her. She can't, she, Hosea married her, but she's the property of another. God created us, but we have to be redeemed. She's weary. Gomer gets weary of the road she's on. She's tired of that sinful path. She's burdened and heavy laden. But Brother Larry, there's not one thing she can do about it. Helpless. Hopeless. She's in captivity. Totally dependent on the mercy of someone else. She finds herself, I'm getting to the, the main part and I'll be done. She finds herself in the auction block. I'm sure, listen to me, I'm sure for months now or years, ever how much time has expired, that her mind goes back to Hosea. Goes back to those children. It's amazing when you get on your back in a hospital bed or you get somewhere where all you can do is look up. How you start contemplating. How you throw your life away. Contemplate what sin's cost you. Contemplate what the devil's done to you. Old Gomer had plenty of time to contemplate. She stands there on the auction block. Her beauty's gone. She's barefooted and stripped down for the bidders to inspect. Listen to me. All that shame, humiliation, and embarrassment she caused Hosea has come to her. You let a husband or wife do their mate like a dog, what goes around comes around. Unless you get forgiveness, and you get forgiveness, and God can change, and God can restore. I'm here to tell you, you play hardball with God, he'll 
play hardball with you. Oh, yeah. She's full of shame, embarrassment, and humiliation. She stands there. Those men walk up. Can you see her old head? Matted with dirt. She's hanging her head in shame. They strip their clothes off. One man grabs her hair. Look up here, you whore. He inspects her like a cattle auction at some, at some cattle sale. And they walk off laughing. And they walk off smoking her. Hey, there's one that ain't got to inspect her. Hey, there's one that loves her in spite of her nakedness. There's one that loves her in spite of her sin. There's one that loves her in spite of her depravity. Thank God that's the type of trust that's Hosea, our Savior. The man strikes a gavel and says, Anybody here want to make a bed? Deathless silence. Nobody. He said the price of a good slave, 30 pieces of silver, the bidding starts at 30 pieces of silver. Why did Hosea bid it? He didn't have it. Oh, yeah. And they got down to 25. Silence. 20 pieces of silver. Silence. Man looks around and says, is, there's not, is there not anyone here that will make a bid for this woman? Hosea said, I've got 15 pieces of silver, home and a half of barley. I'll give that. He said, sir, will you give more? He said, I would have could, but that's all I got. Hosea gave all that he had everything Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
really want to walk down there to her? She said, no. I don't deserve you. I don't deserve to go home, and I don't deserve to be forgiven. Hosea said, but I love you. I told my love that will not let me go. The love of our Savior. I humiliated Jesus. I embarrassed him. I'm not about after he saved me. I've been unfaithful to him. But he kisses my sin away. What a picture of us. So tired and weary of sin. Nowhere to go. Broke God's law. God's justice cried out for mercy. Satan thought. Oh, Satan thought. Satan thought. I'm going to tell you why Satan, and I really believe this. I believe there's a reason that Satan did what he did. And it's called jealousy. When God made Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he made him in the image of God. Likeness of God. Angels were never made in the image of God. But when God said, I love him. His jealousy raged. Hey, you know what Satan said? Don't you miss this. He said, I'll do them like a dungomer. I'll get them full of rebellion. I'll fill them full of sinful, satanic pride. I'll make them so ugly that God can't love them. And God can't forgive them. And when the devil made me as ugly and my sin as he could, when Satan's so proud and rebellion in my heart, to pay to send that for me and you. No matter love will not let me go. And this is unexplainable, isn't it? Think about what I deserved. Hosea takes her home. You know he told her? He said, your name is, you, said, you call me Ishi. Oh, yeah. Don't you ever again. Call me Bella. That means you call me Gomer. Call me your husband. Call me your lover. Don't you call me your master. You let that sink in. If this ain't doing nothing for you, it's doing a lot for me. Call me your husband. You embarrassed me. You humiliated me in front of the world. But I part we don't think about much. What did Hosea do when he bought her? He owned her. Yep. You want Hosea can do to her? It's time, Brother Jesse, for revenge. It's time for a payback. I'm going to make you hurt like you made me hurt. I'm going to inflict you with pain like you inflicted me with pain. You're mine. I bought you. You're my slave. He could have staked her outside the door of the house with her clothes stripped off, eaten out of a bowl like a dog. And in those days, not one thing would have been done to him. He could have made her work 18 hours a day. He could have had her executed. He could have done to her what many men done of that day when their wife played the whore on them or committed adultery. He could have stripped her of her clothes and kicked her out the front door. Out of the street with no clothes. 
and called me his bride. Till I get to heaven, I'm his body. When I get to heaven, I'm his bride. May the Holy Ghost let you see the undying love of Christ. Now Larry Winkle Charlie Cooper told this story. There is a football coach, Union County, Mississippi, many years ago. Big rivalry week. Big rivalry game Friday night. And he told the secretary, said, I want you to send out letters to all the mothers and grandmothers of these boys. If they don't have a mother or grandmother, send it to their guardian. Said, I want them to do one thing. I want them to write in a letter. the big rivalry game, brings them in, give them a final pep talk, final instructions to calm their nerves and make their spine like steel. That coach said to his associate coach, bring me those letters. And the associate coach brought the letters out and one by one he called the boys' names. They didn't know what they were. He said, now boys, I want you to open up these letters and I want you to read them. There's no big line standing there. Tears running down my face because of how much they were loved by their mother and their grandmother or their guardian. That coach said, boys, it's time to play ball, but you can't lose when you're loved like that. Hey, I'm here to tell you. loved you when he didn't have to. He died for you when he didn't have to. He was long-suffering, gracious, and patient with you when he didn't have to. And he did it because he loves you. I will serve thee because I love thee. You have given life to me. I was nothing before you found me. You have given life to me. Heartaches, broken pieces, ruined lives are why you died on Calvary. Your touch was what I longed for. You have given life to me. I read this verse many years ago. I don't know that there's a verse in the Bible that reveals more of the love of God for us than this. God said of Israel in Hosea 11.8, Hosea 11.8, How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as Adma? How shall I set thee as a bowen? God said, how can I destroy you like Sodom and Gomorrah? You're not the Canaanites. You're not the Gomorrahites. You're not the Sodomites. You're mine. My heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. I will not execute. 
I will not return to destroy Ephraim, for I'm God, and not man the Holy One in the midst of thee, and I will not enter into the city. I believe Brother Todd, the biggest problem little Gomer had when she went home. No doubt in my mind about this, because I know human nature, I'm a human. Well, Mike, I believe the greatest problem she had was forgiving herself for what she did. Because when you've been saved, you see what you've done. Maybe not in the magnitude that we should, and the Lord, that's why, that's why we sing, I never shall forget the day. That's why salvation gets more precious, because the longer we're saved, the more we realize how undeserving we were and what he did for us. And we see the traps and the pitfalls he kept us out of. It took a whole, Sister Cindy, it took a whole lot of love.